There it is. Very renegade intro. Welcome back to another episode of Steelers Afternoon Drive on Pittsburgh Steelers Now. I am one of your hosts, Zachary Smith. Joining me is, at, no, wait, no, it's not Alan Saunders today. Nick Faravaugh of Steelers Now, PittsburghSteelersNow.com. What's going on, pal? What's going on, Smitty? Uh, it's good to be here. It's my afternoon drive debut. You know, um, we're, we're in the kitchen for the first time, finding out some things about ourselves here today. You know, we're going to see how we respond to the circumstances under unique pressure. Um, filling in for Alan today since he's chilling on the beach right now. So, you know, it's it's a good time to be an, to be Alan Saunders. But I'm here to talk <laughs> training camp ball, man. Like, I'm I'm here to talk ball. I'm with it. <laughs> There's the Farabaisms. Um, Nick, well, actually, first and foremost, before we really dive into things, I have I've obviously, you know, talked to you on Twitter, reached out to you. I want to take a second on here to wish you a great congratulations on becoming full-time with the site. Recently just graduated college, jumping right into it, getting this opportunity and something you love doing. You've already accomplished so much in such a short amount of time. Uh, I'm really excited to see what you're going to do in the future. But, uh, well, me along with the rest of Steelers Nation is excited to see what you're going to do with this opportunity. So congratulations first and foremost. Yeah, man. I appreciate it. It's been a long, uh, long winding journey with Steelers. Now I've been here since 2020. Um, so I've been through the whole eight, nine with them. I've covered them part time for two seasons. Um, now it's, it feels good to be full time on a beat right out of college. You know, uh, it, it's good to feel like I'm out of college now and I, I hit the ground running. Uh, that's was the biggest thing, but to be able to work with Alan, be able to work with you, Smitty, obviously, um, our announcements basically corresponded with one another on the same day. So I thought that was pretty cool. <laughs> yeah. So, you it know, did. man, we're growing something. I, I, I'm appreciative of, of the opportunity. And obviously I'm, I'm very excited to, to continue just going in head first. Cause I don't think people know how different it is being part-time compared to full-time on, on a beat like this. It really is kind of different. Yeah, you've already, you know, in quotes, people always talk about people paying their dues. And I think you've done that over the last couple of years. So I'm very excited to see that get rewarded. Um, let's dive into some ball, though, because the Steelers made an addition over the weekend. We're going to talk about the two. The Steelers, by the way, are off at the time of recording this today. No practice on Monday before they hit the ground running with pads on Tuesday. However, over the weekend, they had two practices. But first, I want to talk about an addition to the team and Quan Alexander. He had already previously visited normally in past years with these old Steeler teams. When a guy comes, visits, leaves without a contract, that normally means uh, they're not coming back. But I, you know, I think there's a lot of credit to be given on both sides here, both parties, for keeping the door open for Quan Alexander to still join the team. And here we are, right before padded practices start, adding Quan Alexander to the roster, this inside linebacker group, which I think a lot of people, myself included, if you were looking for an area for an addition, it was probably there or, you know, a guy that could play some nickel slot corner. Uh, so I'm, I was glad to see an addition there. Quan Alexander, I think, is a really nice addition for the team. Yeah, he is. And I think uh, the biggest thing you can probably imagine um, when it comes to why he didn't sign immediately was probably the money. Um, I'm sure, you know, he's a he's a nine-year vet, uh, probably wanted to be compensated nicely after having a good year with, with New York last year. Um, probably just wanted to keep his eyes open for an opportunity that might have made more sense, even more money. You know, there, there wasn't an obvious starting hole on this Steelers team, but there is a chance for him to win that job. But there may have been another team where he could have just stepped in and kind of not even gone through a competition, right? So, I mean, there were a few probably factors why he didn't sign right away. But I, I think 
I we have talked about this all spring, early summer of how much this inside linebacker room needed a coverage linebacker. Like they needed one, man. Like Cole Holcomb is a little bit of a do-it-all guy. Landon Roberts, though, is a run first stopper. Like he's a, he's a thumper. He's a he's a Vince Williams, right? They mm-hmm. needed a guy to come in here and be able to cover dudes after really not being able to do that at all last year. I mean, that was the biggest thing with this inside line room. Robert Spillane was the dime linebacker last year. He should never have been in that role. Um, yeah. Like, now he's gone, right? Spillane's gone. Jack's gone. Bush is gone. Uh, all of these guys are gone. Marcus Allen's gone. The only guy that's left over is Mark Robinson. This entire room, even the coach, Aaron Curry, is new. Like, this entire inside linebacker room is new. Uh, they really have not found anyone to really stick around in this room as like a long-term piece since Ryan Shazier went down. And that's the truth of the matter. And I don't know if this group's going to be the group that maybe fixes that. Uh, I think, you know, Quan's probably a one-year thing. Uh, Landon Roberts might be a one-year thing. Cole Holcomb, hopefully, you know, sign a three-year deal. He can be part of that solution. Um, But they now have the ability to kind of do different things with this inside linebacker room. I call it specializing things you know Landon Roberts can go and just beat dudes up man I, I, I want this dude to just go downhill and, and kill guys right I don't want him to be dropping back in coverage against running backs I want him to just I want him to go and, and kill the running back I want him to do what Spillane did to Derrick Henry that's what he is he's bad man he's a bad mofo if you get what I'm trying to say um not the explicit version of that of course <laughs> but he is Cole Holcomb's a little bit of a do-it-all guy, and Quan can come in on pass downs, and, and it gets you that. And then you have, you know, Mark Robb, and and you have Tanner Muse there, and, and you can figure out what those guys do. So it's a better room than it was before they had Quan. I think they filled their biggest need remaining on the team. So, listen, it's a good, good sign to me. And we don't have figures uh, in terms of what he got, but I can't imagine yeah. a huge amount of money either. Yeah, well, uh, you said it's it's better, obviously, with the addition of Quan Alexander. But going back to last year, you look at the the room change with really the only turnover, like you said, or the only carryover being Mark Robinson. Which, by the way, we should probably just talk about him how he physically looks this year at camp. His biceps are absolutely massive. But anyway, um, they're a different room for sure. Do you think that they've upgraded the position across the board, though, in terms of the inside linebacker room? Yeah, I think they have. I think last year you could argue they might have been the worst inside linebacker room in the NFL. I, I mean, it was that bad. Uh, they they were tough. They had guys playing out of position. They had Miles Jack out there playing on one leg because his groin was torn. He literally was telling us in the locker room last year, my groin is like torn basically off the bone and I'm just playing. And we were like, why are you playing? Because they have no one else. And it's like, kind of crazy Devin Bush is you know who Devin Bush is right like he's he's Devin Bush um Robert Spillane is good in a vacuum but he was asked to do too much and Mark Robinson wasn't ready to step up yet he was a, he was a rookie a seventh round pick and, and you had the red shirt so you know you have Cole Holcomb now who is a captain um Alana Roberts who is a captain uh Alana Roberts has been around a winning culture so has Quan Alexander uh you you have guys that have been around successful teams and you have guys that have different strengths and legitimately proven that they can do different things. It's not like a world beater room, right? This isn't like an elite inside linebacking room, but like it's a good enough room to where you're not going to be able to just kill the Steelers at their inside linebackers. You're not going to just be able to line your tight end up against this inside linebacker and expect him to run a slant and go 20 yards every time. So 
I, I think they have upgraded. I think their run defense is upgraded too, just by having a Landon Roberts in there. Uh, he'll he'll give them a boon at the second level there. They really could not defend the run from the linebacker position last year, so I think having a Landon Roberts there is good. So they're better. I mean, it's kind of – I'll say this. Last year, they were kind of the, the, the trash pile heap, right? Right now, they're mm-hmm. like vanilla ice cream. That's how I'll say it. Like, it's it's all reliable. It's, you know, it's solid. It's nothing spectacular. There are other flavors that are more exotic and, in my opinion, it's more special. But it's a solid fallback. That's kind of what I view them as right now. Okay, there we have it. Vanilla ice cream. Can you let, let's see if maybe Quan Alexander can add at least some like hot fudge or some sprinkles or something to that vanilla ice cream. Um, however, you know, talking about Cole Holcomb, the reason I'm probably and so many people are fans of him is that hair. However, he lost his mullet, bro, in arms. Yeah. Monty, Monty retired over the weekend. What I, I, seemingly out of nowhere. I mean, did you guys have any idea over the weekend covering the team that this was this was coming on Sunday? Rip Monty, man. Rip Monty. I, I remember Noah Strackbein came onto the, the field and literally we collectively looked at our phones and both went at each other and said, Rip Monty, man. That's literally what it was. It came out of nowhere. Like it, We didn't expect it. We didn't see him at walkthrough, and, and that was kind of like, okay, whatever. Um, but it, I, I don't really count the fullback at walkthrough. I was just like, oh, Monty's probably, you know, he probably just went the other way, you know. Whatever he's got, he's got to style his mullet before practice, and and you know do all the hair routine stuff. But now nah, I, I don't know why he he left. I mean, sometimes guys just aren't cut off for the NFL, man. It, it's it it happens. It, this happened at, with a UDFA earlier this year too with the Steelers, Trevor Downing, where he agreed to a deal with them, but never really signed the deal, and now he's working on his farm and in, in Iowa. Like that, mm-hmm. hey. Man, some guys have different passions than football. Monty has big farm in Iowa too, so you know maybe maybe they, those two will team up in in the Iowa farm game. Um, you know the Steelers really dominating that Iowa farmland as well um, in that regard. But I don't know. I, I think you know the days in the heat, the the treachery that is training camp. It teaches you what an all around NFL schedule is like. It's different than rookie minicamp. It's different than OTAs. It's different than mandatory minicamp. And so you're really getting a taste of what a first, like, I guess a football-like week is in the NFL, full mm-hmm. seven days. And some guys aren't cut out for it. Maybe that's just what happened there with Monty. And so no fullbacks on the roster right now uh, outside of maybe Connor Hayward, but he's he's more than just a fullback. So no true fullback on the roster. I, I find that interesting. I don't know if they'll sign one, but I think it's something to watch. Nick, I told you I wasn't sharing with you the notes beforehand. I was just going to toss up topics for you to to hit out of the park, and that was a great segue because I was going to ask you, just put out on the site, does this potentially open the door for Watt, another Watt to rejoin the roster in Derek Watt? No. <laughs> like, <laughs> like I, I'm just going to be real, dude. Like, why yep. would it? Like, what does Derek Watt bring to the table that they don't already have? Okay, he's a good special teamer. But when he was actually out there as a fullback, he really didn't do much. He's not a really good blocker. Um, you know, they have better options if they want to actually get touches to the fullback. I remember they had that, like, fullback dive play where they would just hand it off to him on, like, third and one last year. Connor mm-hmm. Hayward can do that. Um, Connor Hayward's yeah. the fullback, man. Like, the Steelers are never gonna have never gone without a fullback on their team. I don't think this is going to be the first year either. I think it's just going to be Connor Hayward, and he's going to be fullback slash H-back slash tight end slash meatball. 
Um, because <laughs> that's what he is. He's a meatball. Um, I don't know why he's nicknamed Meatball, by the way. I just find that to be a hilarious nickname. The tight end room has like a bunch of nicknames, right? Where Gentry just makes them all up. And Washington is Mount Washington, of course. Connor Hayward is Meatball. And my favorite is Rodney Williams, who's the fifth string tight end. He's Hot Rod, which is awesome. (laughs) I I love Hot Rod. Um, So I I don't know why Connor Hayward's Meatball, but regardless, Connor Hayward is a football player and he's your guy. Like, what does Derek Watt bring to the table that Connor Hayward doesn't? Connor Hayward's great on special teams. He can catch the ball. He can run the ball. He can do all these different things. And he's a brother. So you already get the brother fact. Oh, yeah. So, right? That's like, true. you don't need another brother because he is a brother. It's and all watching, the boxes. You know, when watching him get big brothered by Cam, one of my favorite things to see at camp all the time. Um, got big brothered by him the other day when the community team came. He, Connor was slacking a little bit, trying to sign some autographs. Cam had to bully his brother over there. You know, it, it's he. I don't know what Derek Watt though provides to the team that Connor Hayward doesn't. And I, I agree. I had, I had to, I had to bring it up. You know, it was I coming. I, I don't disagree with you though. Listen, people are asking that question because it's just the fallback, right? Okay, he knows the team. He knows the guys. He knows the playbook. Sure, they could bring him back and what cut him. Like, what's this path to the 53? He doesn't really bring much. And who are you cutting that to in order to keep him? Like, what right. is the purpose of having a guy that can't catch the football at fullback nowadays? Because every fullback can at least catch the football or they're an elite blocker. And he's neither, though. So I don't know what he brings to the table. Absolutely. Okay, let's talk about some actual ball that took place this past week on Saturday and Sunday. Two very different days. Um, Saturday, they had to deal with a lot of inclement weather. Um, as you and everybody else kind of noted, the offense struggled. Certainly, Kenny Pickett didn't have his best day. Um, let's talk about Saturday's practice. Let's break them down one by one here. What did you see on Saturday's practice going back? Um, maybe some highlights or who stood out. So obviously, I just mentioned Kenny Pickett struggled. So it was more of a defensive day, but kind of walk us through it. Yeah, Pickett, you know, that was a rainy day. Um, It was monsooning at points in that day. Um, So the ball was slippery. The center, the QB snap exchanges were not crisp. Mason Cole was having trouble getting the ball off the mud and the ground. But Pickett just looked a tick slower that day. Um, You know, I I like seeing these guys in those conditions because it, it takes different circumstances to go through your process, right? So in the heat, for example, like it was on Friday, it's harder to think about your assignment because you're fatigued. So all you're thinking about is, man, let me get off the field here, but you still got to execute that assignment. In the rain, same thing. It's just a different type of of value system that you have to kind of apply to that. I thought he was a tick slow. I thought he was a little bit late, you know, getting guys out of their breaks. I thought it caused a few incompletions that should have happened. He seemed tentative to rip the ball through the the rain. I wanted to see him just uncork a deep ball or two. It's practice, right? Just just uncork one. Like try what can you do when it's raining out? Can you rip that ball 30 30 yards down the field to the sideline to George Pickens? Like he didn't do any of that. Um when he did rip the ball, he overthrew Darnell Washington, which is really hard to do. Um I just thought he was he was a little slower mentally. I, I thought he just looked a little bit off that day. Uh, it, it wasn't like, you know, it's the end of the world or everything. It, it's just he was off that day. But conversely, we'll talk Sunday, too. I thought he did a lot of different things that day. I thought, though, Saturday for Kenny was really a day of 
let's see what the conditions do to you. And he kind of just didn't respond to those, in which case you kind of have to dock him points. Now, to be fair, I thought neither Mitch Trubisky nor Mason Rudolph did either. So Kenny Pickett wasn't the only quarterback to struggle that day. The offense as a whole really struggled that day. But I did think Kenny Pickett in particular struggled that day. He just looked off that entire day in a way I hadn't seen him yet uh, at training camp because he had looked poised and comfortable and, and kind of going through everything. But he looked just off the off the mark that day. And I think part of it was the rain. I think part of it was the rest of his guys kind of throwing the towel down to the offensive line that day. got absolutely abused by T.J. Watt and Alex Highsmith. Um, but I, I don't think Kenny did a lot either to kind of say, oh, he rose above those circumstances. I think the thing is, too, you mentioned, you know, none of the quarterbacks really had that good of days, I, I, but the fans really aren't going to care about the two behind Kenny not doing so, right? It's like if Kenny has a bad day, that's what's going to take all the headlines. And, you know, that really doesn't matter because he's the guy going into this year. If, you know, he has a great day, people are going to get probably overboard with it. If he has a really bad day, people are going to go overboard about it. So uh, conversely, like you said, on Sunday, he comes out, has a really nice performance uh, by all accounts. I will say I'm glad that that happened, but part of me also wishes, not for the people there, that it was crappy out once again just to see if he would have been able to maybe from one day to the next adjust and what he would have looked like. Yeah, I, I do wish. I, I think hopefully we get another rainy day here to see how he responds to that. Because I remember day two of the Senior Bowl back when he was coming out in 2022. It was rainy down in Mobile, and yeah. he struggled conversely that day too. Uh, he didn't really play yeah. in the rain last year, so we never really got to see him in like a full game in the rain. Um, so I, I'm curious. You know, I've seen him play a pit in the rain, um, mm-hmm. and, and some of those rainy games were some of his worst. So I, I think that's – something that maybe is an issue and maybe I'm not talking hand size here, but it's possible that the gloves, you know, contribute to that a little bit where those gloves look slippery a little bit. His, his grip on the ball becomes a little bit tougher. Um, The arm, you know, he doesn't have an elite arm. He has a solid arm, but it's harder to whip the ball through those conditions, obviously. So I'm interested to see if we get another rainy day, kind of what he looks like. Um, I just want to see him respond to those conditions better. It doesn't necessarily need to be, a great day for him. I, I just want to see him be on time with his throws, um, just showcase some things, you know, that he didn't showcase on Saturday. So I, I just want to see those evolving traits, learning from things. He's still a second-year guy, so, you know, he's going to learn from things. I do think he's learned a lot from last year. He's airing the ball out a ton more. Um, I think his yards per attempt this year at camp have to be somewhere around seven to eight yards. He's really throwing the ball deep. He's letting it on cork. I like seeing that he's experimenting with his deep ball. Um, so I like that. I just want to see him again in those tough conditions, specifically the rain conditions. Yeah, you mentioned – so I talked to Alan about this uh, late last week on the show, and I'll ask you the same thing just to get your opinion on it because we keep hearing about how Kenny's arm looks stronger. Would you agree with that sentiment? Is it like visually you can see that? Yeah, I mean, he's bulked up more and he's gotten – He's got bigger. He's gotten bigger in the lower half. I think that's something where he's getting the ball more. I don't think it's the raw arm, right? Like, yeah, he's got bigger biceps and his forearms are bigger, but that's not where your power comes from in the arm. Um, you either have natural arm strength or you don't. It's it comes down more sort of the tendons and the ligaments in your arm and kind of your genetic makeup there. Kenny's never had an elite makeup in that sense, but he's filled out his lower half really well. 
So when he gets torque around his his kind of you know motion, he's throwing the ball with more power. I think one thing that I really have noticed though is his accuracy when he puts more power behind the ball this year is much better than it was last year. You know, he can make more tight window throws because last year, if you remember when he would try and really uncork the velocity on it and just throw a straight line stream, that was when he would kind of sail on him or or kind of go wherever, right? And that mm-hmm. was something that they really wanted to go. Him and him and his QB trainer, Tony Rassiopi, kind of really went at and we were like, okay, we got to find a way to get more velocity on the football, get these tight window throws going. I think he's done that really well. And I think the, the arm is stronger too. I think he's gotten the ability to throw a little bit stronger to the sideline specifically. And I think that's something that we have seen a lot this camp. Just been He's just been able to hit more guys in stride. And even when the ball is underthrown, it's underthrown by half a step. It's not you know, a, a massively underthrown ball where we saw last year when he would sometimes throw it deep, it would just flutter in the air. I haven't seen Pickett throw a fluttering deep ball this entire time. Even in that rain, I thought he did let the ball uncork a few times once he started to kind of get a little bit more comfortable towards the mm-hmm. end of practice. He did uncork a few, uh, 20 yards in the middle of the field, a few outside the numbers. I, you could tell that he can whip it a little bit more. Now, again, that arm strength is an elite, but – it's it's a solid arm. He's got a better arm than people give him credit for. I'll tell you this. His arm is better than Joe Burrow's. Like, that is 100% true. Like, Joe Burrow wins in different ways, but he's never really won by his arm being this howitzer. He doesn't have a Justin Herbert arm, and neither does Kenny Pickett. But does, like, Kenny Pickett have a similar arm to Joe Burrow? Sure. I think it's in that kind of range, but it's a little bit better. Okay, so you mentioned – that's a lower half type thing. Why you think he's general, why his, why he's stronger. Is there anything mechanically that you notice difference or no, it's literally just the fact that he's gotten stronger in his lower half. And the footwork's a little bit tighter. I think that's part of it. Um, he looks a little bit more cohesive when he's flipping through his hips and getting that torque around, but it's, it's all about the, the, the thighs and, and, all of that generating more power through. I think his front foot locks out a little better too. I think he's gotten more cleaner in his footwork. That was something they worked on last year. And I thought he started to really kind of uncork anyways at the end of last year, but you can tell the mass that he's added to his frame has really allowed him to get more. So maybe a little bit mechanically, I think he's gotten just bigger though. Okay. Now, okay, so going from Saturday to Sunday, what did you see on Sunday from him that, you know, you and everybody else were kind of putting out there like he's had a nice bounce back day? And this guy was on something. I I don't know what he was on on Sunday, but I'm telling you, this guy came out and might have read Twitter or something. And he was like, uh, sorry, the red X, I guess Um, he was going. He was going, man, I got to show these guys. So he was perfect on Sunday, basically. I didn't really count one bad play from Kenny Pickett on Sunday. And any play that happened that was negative was often the benefactor of some other guy. Uh, his deep ball was great on Sunday. I think it was the best his deep ball has looked in a practice I've seen in training camp. This was easily his best practice of this training camp, 100%. And it wasn't like he was checking it down, right? He wasn't just checking it down to Najee and Fryermuth and all these guys. Like He was airing it out. He had I think three completions of more than 20 yards. He hit George Pickens deep down the sideline, hit Calvin Austin on a crosser, uh, hit Muth up a seam. Like he hit guys 
downfield, and he did it off-platform. He did it from the pocket. He did it kind of moving to his left and moving to his right. He hit guys on time. I, I think the biggest uh, example of that was there was a play where Cody White was outside and just ran a little glance route and came across the middle of the field, and he came out of his break looking, and that ball was on it, like on him. Like Kenny Pickett was just on it, and he was firing it in there. Joey Porter Jr. gets beat on a double move by Deontay Johnson. The moment you can see Deontay starting to peek behind, he throws him open. Like, he was throwing guys open. I think that was the biggest thing on Sunday that was a little bit different. I thought Kenny Pickett started to anticipate throws at a higher level than I have seen him do at the NFL level. I think that's very, very encouraging to see because it's showing you he's seeing the coverages and recognizing what's going to happen here and, and who's going to get open here and who to trust in this matchup. And his accuracy was all there. You saw great anticipation. You saw good decision-making. All of it was there, the whole nine yards. I just thought he looked really good. He, he obviously has that ability to extend the play with, with pretty above-average mobility. Uh, he was really on time that day. It was like the polar opposite of Saturday, where you know mm-hmm. he was a tick late on Saturday. On Sunday, he was – a tick early and he was ahead of everything and, and it was great. And it was like, he was thinking ahead of everybody else, which is what a quarterback needs to do. If he can do that consistently, we're going to, we don't need to talk about him being a elite quarterback, right? We don't need to talk about him being a, a burrow and Allen, a Mahomes, a, a Herbert, a Lamar, whatever you might want to put in that tier, right? The top seven ish group. But when we're talking about, can he be a Jared Goff? Can he be a, a Dak Prescott? Can he be a Kirk Cousins, right? Can he be one of those guys? If he does that, sure. Sure he can. And that's really where they want him to be. Yeah. Uh, all things good after Sunday. But, um, okay, so not just including Sunday, but what we've seen so far with the sample size. I feel like this is a nice breaking point here with the off day before padded practice uh, tomorrow. Who has kind of stood out to you overall? Maybe not just one day, but, like, overall, whose stock is up following these padless practices? Nick Herbig is – like the big one out of these practices, man, this dude has dominated every single tackle he has faced. He went up against Dan Moore yesterday and whipped his behind twice, at least maybe three times. You know, he's added that ghost move. TJ Watt has taught him uh, both TJ Watt and Alex Highsmith use that ghost move. It makes sense for him to have that. He just looks good. He's explosive. Um, He's bendy. He's really smart. He looks fluid in space, which is good because I think that means he can move off ball if you need him to. Um, we've talked about that move, but the pass rush chops are, are real. Now, I've talked about this. I think the questions are on run defense. So when the pads go on and we get our run periods, I mm-hmm. want to see how he sticks out there. I want to see if he's a guy that can stick in the box and, and hold his own, or is he going to get blown off the edge? Let's see. I want to see him go up against not Chooks a quarter for. I want to see him go up against Broderick Jones. I want to see him try and take on Darnell Washington because he's going to face these guys, you know, coming weekly into the NFL. If he's going to want to stick three downs at edge, he's going to have to do it. But he's been awesome. Uh, Another guy, I I think Joey Porter Jr. has had a really nice week, man. I really do. Um, He's He got first team reps yesterday with Pat Pete sitting down um, for a little bit. Levi as well was was limited a little bit more because the vets just weren't doing – a lot yesterday. So he got to face Deontay and George. I think, you know, Deontay taught him a few lessons, Um, but I thought he's done a really nice job. His pass breakup on Calvin Austin yesterday 
showed exactly why they drafted him. He's got unique length that really no one else in the NFL does. He's faster than you think he is. Also, people think he's tight-hipped. I don't think he is. I think he's pretty fluid. I think his footwork needs to be cleaned up a little bit. But, man, he looks good. Like, his length is a serious problem for receivers. He even stunned Pickens, like, twice yesterday off that. And I thought that was pretty impressive. And when he was going on Deontay and didn't get targeted, I thought for the most part he stuck with Deontay on a few routes. Deontay cooked him, of course, on a few too, but he stuck with him Mm -hmm. very admirably, and I thought he's had a really good week. Uh, Another guy that I thought had a really good week, Anthony McFarland. Uh, I feel like we say this every camp, so grain of salt, right? Right. Right. But, like, McFarland looks great. Like, he's catching the ball out of the backfield. He's uh, he's working in the slot. He's dusting guys that he probably shouldn't be dusting. He's juking guys out of their ankles. Like, he looks really good. He looks ready to go. Uh, I feel like if this isn't the year for Anthony McFarland, man, it's never clicking. Like, it's, this has to be the year. But he looks really good. Then I think the one guy that – no one's really talked about enough, but has been having like a really underrated camp is Connor Hayward. Like he just mm. has been really good from basically every aspect. He catches everything, runs good routes. He blocks well. He's willing to do whatever. He's a great special teams leader too already in his second year. Like he does all those things really, really well. You know, some other winners that I think stick out, Cole Holcomb. We, we talked about him a little bit. He's probably been the best linebacker here. Uh, I'll say that I also think before he got hurt, DeMonte Casey was having a really nice camp, but obviously the ankle injuries, he's in a boot now. Sounds like it's going to keep him out. He got hurt. on The video is out there for, by the way, when he got hurt. It's the pick on Saturday of, of Kenny Pickett. We're picking over through Washington, hit off Washington's hands, went into KZ's hands. KZ went under this awkward slide, got caught in the mud, and the, his ankle went under him. Um, mm-hmm. So that that's the injury, and it seems like it's going to be a little bit of time before he gets back on the field. I, I think, you know, if you're talking guys that are bottom of the roster trying to push for a spot, Hakeem Butler, I think you have to mention him, right? Saturday, that was the star of the offense. Like, no one on offense had a good day on Saturday but but Hakeem Butler. Like, Mason Rudolph at the end of practice was just like, guess he's down there somewhere. Let's see if he can catch it. And, like, he just caught – Literally the meme, yeah. Yeah, like, I guess I guess Hakeem Butler's down there somewhere. And Hakeem Butler was like, bet. <laughs> you know, like, like that's – I think he's had a good camp too. So, you know, there, there are guys that have struggled at this camp too, but I think – I think they have a promising group of guys that have stepped up. All right. Well, that's good. Kind of like tying in with the last thing that I got for you here is what are we looking forward to with Pratt, with pads coming on tomorrow? Are there any like storylines players in particular looking out for any battles that you think are going to take place? What are we looking for when the pads come on? Yeah. Well, I talked about Nick Herbig and specifically what I'm looking from him. Well, yeah, I want to see Broderick Jones in pads. I do. Because, listen, he got beat by Highsmith yesterday a few times when he was with the first team. Um, It it happens, right? You're a rookie going up against a dude that comes off a 14-and-a-half-sack year and just got paid $68 million because he's really good at football. Like, it happens. I just want to see him go up against Marcus Golden when Marcus Golden can start to put his hands on him. Because, really, all these guys are doing at edge are speed rushing right now. They're not really trying to long-arm you. They're not trying to bull rush you. Marcus Golden wins with his bull rush. So, okay, I want to see how he stands up against that guy. I want to see how he goes against TJ Watt. I want to see all of that. I want to see how he handles these different moves when the whole thing is in play. Because I think Roderick Jones has been pretty solid so far 
outside of his Highsmith reps. I think he's done a really nice job outside of that. I want to see him against those guys in pads because it's also going to allow him to get physical and get more physical. The linemen really play patty cake, to be quite honest with you, mm-hmm. at this time of year. Like, they run some run plays, and you can see the D linemen just like, let me disengage because the O linemen are like, yeah, we don't want to hurt you. So it's like, okay, I'm not going to learn anything until the pads go on. Another guy I don't think I'm going to learn anything about until Tuesday is Darnell Washington. Like, yes. this this guy, when I release my losers list from the first week, is going to make the list. He was not these first four days. I also just don't care, though. Like, legitimately, I just don't care that Darnell Washington wasn't good. I knew he was raw as a receiver. Like, you want him to run a, a like, pivot route? Okay, he's six foot seven, 280. Did you think he's going to cut on a dime? Like, Kadarius Tony or Deontay Johnson or something? Like, is that who we thought he was? Like, he's not that. I want to see him blocking. I want to see him destroying defensive ends. And then I could say, well, that's why they drafted this guy. I want to see if it translates. I think it's going to. He was the best blocking tight end in the draft. He's huge. When he is, dude, the sleds ask him to apologize after every practice. <laughs> like, he kills these sleds. It's unbelievable. You'll see Fryermuth, Gentry, and Hayward go, and, you know, they'll look good and everything. And then Washington will just, like, lift it up and, like, manhandle it. It's absurd. He is – I've never seen a guy look more impressive blocking a blocking sled. He is huge and impressive. I want to see him crack a D-end tomorrow and just showcase it. He did actually crack Mark Robinson on Sunday on a screenplay – where he kind of just pushed Mark Robinson. Mark Robinson's just trying to go to the ball. He pushes him, and Mark Robinson goes flying back like eight yards, and that dude's jacked. Like, Yeah, we were just talking about that. I mean, I was like, holy. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, like you could see the whole sideline go like, oh, like, okay, the six-foot-seven guy coming running at you who can run a four-five-five five can kill you, I guess. Uh, like, he's a guy I want to see. In pads, I want to see Keanu Neal in pads too. Like, I'm not super familiar with his game. I've watched the tape, obviously, but like, how physical was he actually? I want to see that. Um, and then the last guy I just want to see in pads, I want to see Anthony McFarland. I want to see him in these run periods. Like, yeah. he can run the ball. I know that he can catch the ball. Okay, what's your vision like? How physical are you willing to get? I just want to see him play really well there. And you know what? I'll add a, a sixth member here, and it's going to be a surprising guy. I want to see Najee Harris. I really do. This is hmm. the year for Najee. Like, this is the make-or-break year. You, you know, the efficiency hasn't been there. You know, he he's a guy that dealt with a, a foot injury last year at the start of the year. He, he's coming off the best stretch of his career in that bye week on period. He looked like a different player. He finally got an offensive line. Okay, he finally has an offensive line now. I want to see how he looks because I think this could be the year that they finally get the Najee Harris they drafted. And and so I want to see just him play against guys like Ellen and Roberts and, and Cole Holcomb and, and be willing to go all out at camp. I, I want to see this dude. I want to see him bully some guys tomorrow. I really do. It can be for one day, two reps. I just want to see Najee Harris be like, you, this is my year, man. I like that because I feel like a lot of people would probably stray away from saying him because it just like seems so obvious on the surface, but you're right. I mean, 
here we are year three. This is a huge year for him for, for many different reasons. You know, you start thinking about that fifth year option. You start thinking about, I mean, this is, you know, getting a ways away now, but like a contract extension down the line, like they need to see that first round running back come out this year with everything that they've invested around him. So I like that pick as well. Um, Nick, I can't thank you enough for joining me for this episode. I know that people are going to be excited about it and look forward to seeing more of you, but why don't you tell uh, the people where they can find your stuff? Yeah, guys, follow me on Twitter at FarabaughFB. Obviously, subscribe to the Steelers Now YouTube channel. Come on, guys. I'm always on here, too. Regardless, I'm giving the Steelers camp report all the time as well. So you want the lowdown on camp in addition to what Alan's saying? Come over there. It's a three-minute video usually. It's easy, quick-hitting stuff. And make sure to check out SteelersNow.com because you know we're putting out the fire over there. <laughs> <laughs> Bookmark, BookmarkSteelersNow.com. Uh, like, subscribe, leave us a five-star review, hit that notification bell, do all that stuff, whether you are watching on YouTube or listening on a different platform. We are working on getting it to every single platform. I think for right now, it's probably still just on Megaphone. It takes a little bit to go through the process with Apple and Spotify and stuff. We promise it's coming. I got a link tree set up that you can subscribe to, so you will see all the platforms that we are on along with uh, a link right to SteelersNow.com. So, Nick, once again, can't thank you enough for joining me. You can find me at Zachary Smith PGH. I will be back with Alan tomorrow for another episode of Steelers Afternoon Drive. Until then, we'll see you. Bye-bye. This episode is made possible by PwC. When unprecedented times are all the time, it's time to start walking the talk. Leaders like you turn to PwC to see and stay ahead. Upskill your workforce. Use intelligent automation and transform big ideas into breakthrough outcomes. Explore the human-led, tech-powered solutions that help you thrive. It's all part of The New Equation. Learn more at thenewequation.com.